I'm Richmond County Sheriff Richard Roundtree. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon. I figured if we was going to do a podcast talking about the mayor, had to have a soundtrack from my man, Mayor to Live, straight out of Charlotte, man. Appreciate you, brother, for this joint. It's called We Is, Y'all Ain't. Y'all check out the album, Catfish Are Delicious. Y'all know I had to bring it back to the podcast for old times. So you're listening to an episode of Making a Difference, and I am your host, Ken Macon. So glad to have you guys here with me on a very special occasion with a very unique and, I believe, dynamic podcast. If you guys heard about this podcast from the promo that we did via Facebook, so glad to have you guys here. Believe it or not, this uh, interview and this commentary is about poverty. This is actually a series that we wanted to kick off calling the poverty problem. So what I want to do is I actually want to sit down and meet with three of the local mayors, mayors uh, out of Augusta, North Augusta and Aiken. I sat down with the mayor of Augusta, Hardy Davis. And as it turned out, you know, there's so much going on and so much conversation about the James Brown arena. I figured, you know, we'd sit down and talk about that. And just very grateful and very glad that that conversation actually tied into some of the conversations I want to have in terms of talking about poverty in the CSRA poverty in the two state area. You know, this um, so many conversations in terms of growing the community and economic development we have from, I believe, a corporate perspective, from the perspective where, you know, it's about, you know, uh, promoting and building big business. But rarely do we have that conversation in terms of economic growth, in terms of, you know, from the perspective of the individual. Um, or even so, even so, you know, from the community. And so that's what I'm really looking to do moving forward in terms of the poverty problem. So that's actually, you know, the essentially the name of, of this podcast. And, you know, basically this is part one of it. But so much of this conversation, you know, the conversation is going to start out talking about the James Brown Arena and, you know, the controversy surrounding that. I can tell you for myself, I am a huge proponent of it. I want to see it happen because I believe, as the mayor does, that, it will be a game changer, you know, for not only South Augusta, but Augusta in general. I think speaking about Augusta and speaking, you know, as a lifelong resident of this area, I, I would say for the better part of 20 years, we've seen development in virtually every part of Augusta, except for South Augusta. And you put something like the James Brown Arena there at their old Regency Mall property. There's so much potential you know, going down Dean's Bridge, going down, you know, even Peach Orchard, different things like that. And if you guys have listened to the podcast or are familiar with the uh, Making a Difference commentaries via Urban Pro Weekly, then you guys know that I believe this is the start of something that can be truly amazing. But it's going to take, you know, the uh, commissioners and it's going to take, I believe, the people of Augusta to stand behind our mayor. Before I get started, uh, before we get started, rather, uh, with this conversation, I want to thank my sponsors want to thank Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. want to thank my dear friends at Humanity House Juice Joint and Gallery on 305 8th Street in Augusta, Georgia, where their mission is to promote intervention and healing through organic cold-pressed juicing and health foods while stimulating the whole person through art, education, and culture. It's the house that love built, Humana Tree House, 706-364-2518, 706-364-2518. If you want to advertise for Making a Difference, even, either publicly or as a private sponsor, you can send an email to show at gmail.com. That is M-A-K-I-N-A Difference Show, S-H-O-W, at gmail.com. We would love to have you. And, of course, what we're doing here is growing, and I think you all will see from the response. I just think people in Augusta in general want to hear, you know, what the mayor has to say from the mayor's words 
as it relates to the James Brown arena. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with it, I think it's important to be able to be able to have those conversations and for, you know, our elected officials to be transparent. And that's certainly what we have here in talking with the mayor of Augusta, Georgia, Hardy Davis. And without further ado, we're going to jump right into this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to Making a Difference. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm just excited. It's a gentleman who, who uh, we've had on the show previously. You guys know him very well. Uh, he's, he's in the news on a regular basis. That's, a, that's an inside joke. <laughs> but being very serious, I just uh, want to uh, reintroduce to you all a man who ran on the platform of One Augusta. And to, uh, to my knowledge, and really to, with uh, some of the things that we're seeing in Augusta, I think he's living up to those expectations. Uh, here with Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis. How you doing, Mayor Davis? Hey, Ken. I appreciate you having me on the program, and I look forward to making a difference. Greatly appreciate it. I saw what you did there. <laughs> I originally came to speak to you, and uh, you know, in, in a, with a series and talking about poverty, not only um, in Augusta, but you know, in in the surrounding area. But there's been so much that's been said about the James Brown Arena, and I think you know, when people see your name, fair or no, now it's hey, what's going on with the JBA? So we're going to start out the the conversation um, in that regard. And I want to just ask you very specifically, how much of a game changer could uh, putting the James Brown Arena out at that uh, at the old Regency Mall property, how much of a game changer could that be for South Augusta and Augusta in general? Well, I think that's a fantastic question. And again, the, the major topic that you want to talk about as it relates to poverty, without question, it dovetails very nicely into the JBA discussion. You know, we talked about running on the merits and the very issue of one Augusta and Augusta that works for all of her citizens that no longer could we be or should we be a white Augusta versus a black Augusta West versus South but when you when you incorporate into that conversation the issue around the the building of a new James Brown arena at the Regency Mall site it addresses or at least begins to address in a very significant way the issues of rampant and pervasive poverty uh, in that corridor the Gordon Highway uh, corridor, the Deansbridge Rose corridor, where, again, I see you've got some numbers. I think the last numbers that we saw were we are in Augusta at a poverty rate of about 25.6%. Sometimes that hovers a little higher, maybe a little lower than that. But this issue is a game changer for Augusta in general. When you think about a portion of our community that's been systematically excluded from the overall uh, economic prosperity of our city for the last two decades, almost more than that, this is in fact a game changer. If you think about where Regency sits geographically in the center of the city, the investment size uh, to the tune of roughly about $150 million being invested in that underserved, underrepresented, and very impoverished community, it is in fact a game-changing moment that we have an opportunity to move forward if we get support from our commissioners. And many of them live in that area. And so as a result of that, without question, it can in fact be a game changer uh, that would send shockwaves through our community. And it also allows us to tie the city of Augusta together uh, at one of the most critical times ever in our city's history. The conversation around cybersecurity, we wouldn't be having it were it not for Fort Gordon, which is just five miles uh, further up the road from the Regency site. We wouldn't be having that cyber conversation were it not for NSA Georgia, which is also there at the installation on Fort Gordon. 
So this is a very catalytic moment. I've used the terms that it's just transformational in nature, but also generational. And so it is, in fact, game-changing. That's excellent. I uh, want to ask you about the – I mean, you're you know, clearly all in in terms of the James Brown Arena being on that property. You've become very versatile in terms of how you're presenting you know, information and having dialogue with people. Saw you on Facebook recently. Saw you do a, a Facebook Live video. Just talk about and, – and I can imagine that you, you know, you're able to reach more people and, and maybe reach folks in a diverse way with that, that outlet. Yeah, I think it's extremely important for us to be able to communicate in as many mediums as possible. Uh, social media, obviously people live in a very socially connected world, whether you're Instagram and Snapchat, Snapchat and Facebooking or any of those things. Twitter, uh, I know I spend a lot of time tweeting. Uh, and so we've got to use every tool at our disposal because we're not getting the requisite attention uh, in a positive way from local media. Uh, for the last 60 days, uh, it appears as if the media wants to martyr me. And so uh, I've become that villain simply because I expressed a difference of opinion about where we should make investments in our city than the status quo. Uh, and I think that's okay. And so to that end, uh, when I talk about One Augusta, I don't mean just in theory. I mean, we've got to actually practice and do something that helps uh, – substantiate that and so uh, again we're using every tool available to us to communicate both in written form to the degree that someone says we want you to talk about it instead of couching and just saying well not right now uh, I'm running to it now saying hey let's discuss this issue let's do it in a civil way and let's have our voice heard because our voices have been muted uh, you've got individuals who are sending you know, emails to me and then posting it on Facebook and social media and <laughs> having local talk radio guys talk about it and others. And so uh, they have an opinion and they believe that that opinion is the only opinion that matters. You know, I talk to hundreds of residents on a daily basis and I am their representative. And to that end, when they share their concerns, their expectations about this concept of building a new multipurpose arena at the Regency location, those things matter to me, and I believe that they're of equal value to the person who sends me an email and then puts it out on social media. I, I hear the, the strength and the confidence in your voice, the adversity, but then also, you know, the support that you're getting from residents. I, I can imagine all of it has ultimately helped to strengthen your resolve. Well, it has. It strengthened my resolve at a very difficult time. Uh, when you think about, again, uh, post the August 22nd decision by the Coliseum Authority members, which people seem to have lost sight of, four of the six voting members said, we believe this is the best site. We not only believe this is the best site, but we want to move this forward so that we can move down the road and ultimately begin building an arena. That matters to me, and it certainly emboldens me knowing that you've got that level of support. But then when I hear from people across the community who say, Mayor, keep doing what you're doing. Mayor, we support this. I know that there are detractors and naysayers who say, no, we don't support it. We do not believe that this type of investment should be made in that area. And so, again, as the people's mayor, uh, not South Augusta's mayor, not West Augusta's, not black folks or white folks' mayor, I am the people's mayor, the 84th mayor of this great city. And as such, I've got to lead with an understanding that there are different needs across the entirety of our community, our city, and be prepared to not only communicate a broad vision, but an inclusive vision 
that certainly warrants support from all sectors of our community. And that's what we're hoping to accomplish. And, you know, I'm human just like everybody else. When you get 60 solid days of, at a minimum, two very negative articles written through the daily, through the weekly paper, and then you hear garbage on television, you see all of the Facebook commies out there, those things, they matter, and you feel the weight and the pain of that because you're, do you're not doing anything nefarious. Uh, I have no ill will and intentions. Uh, I'm not on the take. I'm not doing anything illegal. I've never done anything illegal. And as such, that becomes painful. It becomes hurtful because this discourse becomes very uncivil. You know, I lost my uncle just a week ago. Uh, so I'm going through all of these emotions. Uh, then my mother-in-law gets sick and has two surgeries. So, you know, yeah, I feel all of that. But I'm emboldened because I know this is the right thing at the right time. It's powerful, and uh, obviously, you know, um, prayers and, and condolences, you know, to um, <clears throat> to your family members. And I think it just really speaks to the realness of, you know, when you engage um, in public servitude. It's, you know, it's not just about, you know, what you do for the people, but it's also having to deal with things, you know, in, inside of your own household. And I think, I think people need to understand that. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we may offer ourselves a public service, uh, and we do that with a sense of understanding that we open our lives up to be truly an open book before people. And I don't uh, shun that. I don't shirk away from it. But at the same time, there are all those boundaries. There are those boundaries upon which, you know, I allow people in. But there are those moments where, okay, you can't come in today because there are other things that are more important than what I'm doing as, quote, the mayor. A uh, specific concern of mine, and I believe this is a, a concern that others may have, the logistics of the deal. Mm -hmm. um, bold plan, certainly, I don't think anybody would dispute that, but it wasn't uh, maybe airtight in terms of who owns the property and so forth. What's being done um, at this juncture moving forward to smooth out some of those rough, uh, rough, rough edges? Well, you know, uh, I've said it before, and that is that this issue, uh, the process, uh, as I hear Commissioner Ben Hassan say so often, uh, the process is in the Coliseum Authority's wheelhouse along with their attorney. They have been involved in a series of meetings with the owners of the mall, and it's my expectation that they're going to get to a constructive deal that allows them to draft <coughs> what we call a letter of intent. And that letter of intent then would be transmitted to the commission that we then would weigh in on it and really establish the merits of the proposed deal at that point. What has in fact been talked about most recently is the gifting of a portion of land and then uh, the remaining portion uh, to be leased. I think effectively the feasibility study says you need 26 to 30 acres. The current JBA site that they've pivoted and said, well, we want to build it there now is only about a 13 and a half, 14 acre site. Wow. And they want to effectively double the size of the arena. Uh, if nothing else, a 70, uh, um, a 45% increase in size of the facility. Uh, and so to that end, uh, when you look at, you know, the logistics of where the voted on and selected site regency from a logistical standpoint, I think uh, starting with uh, a gift of property, because if you remember, that was the crutch. Everyone said, this is a bad deal. The, the city's going to spend $150 million. We at least need to own the property. Well, that's been taken off the table. They say, we're going to give you that property. We're going to give you 10.2 acres of the 77-acre site because it's broken up into three parcels. 
It's a very clean and easy way to do that. And then we're going to lease you the parking, the rest of the 30 acres for $1 for 50 years. Um, they do these types of deals in Atlanta all the time. They do them all across the country all the time. And so in Augusta, we still have this stranglehold upon how uh, business deals should be done. It's a very parochial approach where this is the only way to do it. I got to own it outright. I got to buy it. I got to spend tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, you get many corporations. They don't own anything other than the assets inside of the facility. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be smarter in Augusta in terms of how we accomplish growing this city, making her her best for not only current Augustans, but future generations of Augustans. You know, I'll go back to the issue around poverty. Within a three-mile radius, Ken, of the Regency Mall site, we've had this discussion about our schools, the quality of our schools. We talk about the issue about uh, 19 of our schools were on the governor's failing needs improvement list. Well, 11 of those 19 are within a three-mile radius of Regency. Wow. A man or a woman cannot be what he or she cannot see. We've, we have children in Augusta who were born in poverty. They are reared in poverty. They're educated in poverty. They live in poverty. They die in poverty. As the mayor of this great city, I believe we have a responsibility as elected officials to do something about that. This is one of the most strategic corridors, if not the most strategic corridor, which is why I've championed this issue. I'm not going to run away from it. It is my hope that the commissioners, particularly the commissioners who live in that area, you've got of the 10 commissioners we have, uh, eight of them, their districts touch this area, okay? Eight of them, their districts touch this area. Those students, those students who are wanting to believe in something great, those students who want to do something besides live in poverty, grow up in poverty, die in poverty, they want a community that they can believe in, but they want a community that believes in them and provides opportunities. That's why this is so important. More with the mayor of Augusta when we come back to Making a Difference. Stick with us. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy, they are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. House Juice Joint and Gallery is a unique oasis in the cultural corridor of downtown Augusta. We are a place for all to come and for all to be. We have a spectacular range of organic goodness, all of which is 100% free of animal products. We use only the highest quality ingredients with our priorities being vegan, organic, and local. Everything here is made with love from ingredients chosen with you 
and the earth's health and satisfaction in mind. We use organic, locally sourced produce and are always striving to find ways to reduce and reuse. We cold press our own juices and also serve raw food options, including vegan desserts, grab-and-go wraps and salads, and smoothies. We have a great selection of kids' juices and smoothies created with taste, texture, and nutrition in mind. We have a small entertainment stage that has become one of the favorite small stage venues of many artists, musicians, and music lovers. Humanitry House, we pride ourselves on doing things a little differently and seek to offer you an experience like no other in a setting that feels like home. Our home is your home. Humanitry House is more than a brand. We consider ourselves family to everyone who walks through our doors and everyone who is working towards living, juicing, and eating better. This includes a healthy lifestyle that will promote our children, parents, siblings, and all family members within our community. Although we sell fruit, vegetable, wheatgrass, sea moss, and smoothies and herbs, we are a juice bar. We are cheers for the healthy folk. Instead of a shot of hard liquor, you can get a shot of wheatgrass or E3 Live. If you need a healthy and cool social hangout spot that has a diverse group of people, then come visit Humana Treehouse. Everything here is made with love. Let family and friends see you juicing, eating healthy, and feeling great overall and watch it spread. Come visit Humana Treehouse at our new location located at 305 8th Street in downtown Augusta, right across the street from our old location. You can contact us at 706-364-2518 or find us on the web at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Humanitreehouse or www.humanitreehouse.com. At h and Block, we want you to focus on your business while we handle your tax and accounting needs. From payroll and bookkeeping to expert tax preparation and tax problem resolution, we are ready to put our expertise to work for your small business. Hi, I'm Jesse Willard, and for the year-round service you need and the one-on-one -on -one attention you deserve, partner with your locally owned h and Block. Stop by our office today at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. h and Block, the one you know and trust. I actually want to uh, go back to a few months, or maybe a few months ago. You met with other local mayors to talk about uh, economic development. And I want to uh, try to get some perspective on that dialogue. What did you guys talk about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about it, and it was well, the first time that's ever happened in this region where you had the mayor of Aiken, Mayor Rick Osborne, uh, the mayor of North Augusta, Mayor Bob Pettit, and myself uh, from the city of Augusta, the hub of all of this activity in our region. And uh, the first time where we were able to talk about economic growth and development opportunities in our respective cities. Uh, it was something that I think we're going to do again. In fact, they've already talked about doing it again in 2018. Um, those mayors talked about development going on in their communities. Obviously in North Augusta, they've got Project Jackson that they're very proud of. I'm happy for Bob Pettit and the folks over in North Augusta. Uh, they're gonna move the Green Jackets. They will still be called the Augusta Green Jackets, not North Augusta, they'll be the Augusta Green Jackets. <laughs> because everybody understands the power of that name. Sure. And so uh, I applaud those efforts. The thing that struck me as quite unique and interesting uh, is that Mayor Pettit, uh, in his conversation, he said, in North Augusta, we've got economic development going on in every part of our city, hmm. okay? And I thought about that, and I just filed it away, and I said, people in North Augusta are very happy 
that they're not just building Project Jackson, but they're uh, developing Exit 5, okay, uh, which is, you know, eight miles away from right. right here. You know, we're talking about Regency, which is a 5.2 miles away from the current, you know, James Brown Arena. And for people in our city to be so narrow in their thinking and their willingness to grow the city uh, is disappointing, yes. But the overarching thing from that conversation was other cities are doing exactly what I'm talking about doing. And it's okay for those mayors to talk about it. And if it's okay for them to talk about it, I'm certainly not going to stop talking about it. I was going to, you, you're saying narrow. I know you may not be able to say this. I know you're very diplomatic. I'll say selfish. I'm going to call it what it is. <laughs> the dialogue you chat with the uh, local mayors, did that include a conversation about income inequality and poverty? Yeah, it did. Uh, Mayor Rick Osborne, I really like this guy. Uh, he's a really nice guy, uh, and we've struck up a great friendship. He talked about that issue in his community and some of the things that they're doing. In fact, uh, they have a model of uh, some of the programs that they've launched in uh Aiken that are helping to address that issue and we kind of talked about it loosely you know one of the things that I've shared here with our commissioners uh, and housing and community development and administrators that we've got to do a better job of how we use our community development block grant money when you look at our inner cities with vacant abandoned distressed properties we're not doing a very good job of how we use those resources to actually transform people's lives uh, whether it be workforce development initiatives, you don't see that happening. Uh, whether it be job shadowing opportunities, uh, we're not doing that. We're trying to build a house here or there, you know, hopefully somebody can buy it. But then it's not workforce, it's not affordable workforce housing. You know, you're, you're, you're saying you're going to sell a house uh, for $200,000. Well, you're talking about an in inner city here. Mm. Uh, you, want that, you want that house to be affordable for folks who are on the lower rungs of society. And you want to be able to equip them with the tools necessary to where home ownership becomes a very important goal of theirs, of where they not only step into home ownership, but then you come around with the wraparound services to teach them how to budget their money. You teach them, most importantly, that the first thing you do is you pay yourself. Translation, you put money away in savings. You then pay God, okay? That's very important, mm -hmm. okay? It's extremely important. So you do that, and in doing that, you begin building a process, a system, that where if you're consistent, you know, Tanya and I were fortunate just a couple of days ago, uh, we're part of the Family Promise Network. It's a network of churches and other organizations that minister and meet the needs of homeless in our community. Our church is in, involved in that network. Uh, there's a couple from Texas who ended up in Augusta, and they ended up homeless, okay? A husband wife and three children homeless in Augusta their family members nobody's here it's them and they got in family promise didn't know they were going to be able to get into the program and so they spent 90 days going from one church to the next okay and um, and that's 90 days one week you're at this church another week you're at another church another week you're at another church and so that works on the psyche of a man man don't work, he don't eat, can't take care of his family. But the success of it is that not only did they complete the 90 days, they have their own place to live now. Mm. They had a vehicle given to them, but because of the wraparound services, they were taught how mm -hmm. 
to save, how to budget. The father, the husband told me, he says, Mayor, you know, you guys loved on us. Others did as well. We have $15,000 in savings now. Wow. That's right. That's where the city of Augusta needs to be, doing those things. That's a that's a very powerful commentary, and I, it, it leads into uh, some statistics for poverty in Augusta, and I made it a point. I actually did this for Augusta, Aiken, and North Augusta, but just for the sake of this conversation, we'll talk about Augusta. Uh, African-Americans, uh, thir- which is the majority in Augusta, 31.3% of African-Americans in Augusta are below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Um, for whites, it's 17.1%. Um, what are your thoughts on those numbers uh, in terms of racial demographics and just poverty in general? Mm-hmm. Well, we have to be very deliberate about how we attack the issue of poverty in our community. When you think about Augusta, Georgia, uh, we are a majority uh, African-American community now, and as such, uh, we do have rampant poverty. We know where those depressed areas are. And as a result of that, we have to be more aggressive in terms of how we do that. I think part of that is the city's role. The city is an organization of effectively 2,400 employees, mm-hmm. many of who are at or below poverty level in terms of their wages. Government, while we can't solve all of the problems, we can solve the problems that are native or germane to us. When you think about 2,300, 2,400 employees, and I would submit to you that 42% of them are at a below poverty level in terms of their wages. Working poverty. Working in poverty. Wow. That's exactly right. So I go back to the issue around housing and community development, how Augusta has historically handled that department and what it's done or not done. Well, first and foremost, we need to take those employees who are at or below poverty, and we need to provide them with a nexus, a gateway, to we provide home ownership opportunities using the federal government dollars uh, to be able to put them in a home, their first home, uh, because they are at or below poverty. Mm-hmm. We can do the same thing with our law enforcement personnel as well. And so that's the first step. But then the second piece is we've got to provide people with meaningful wages. When you have people in local government, Ken, who uh, have been working for the government for 31 years and they're now making $31,000, Something's wrong with that. It's very wrong. Something fundamentally and structurally wrong with that. And so these are big issues that we have to be able to address as elected officials. We can't couch it. We can't keep kicking the can down the field and say, well, you know, the general public's going to weigh in and rain terror down on us. These are the issues of our day that if you're going to begin collaboratively working on and attacking the issues of poverty in your community, that then translates into life of crime that then translate into having one of the highest incidences of teenage pregnancy in the state of Georgia, that have one of the highest incidences of sexually transmitted diseases among teens and other young adults. That's how we begin addressing those issues. And it can't just be, you know, conversation. You've got to have policy initiatives that affect these things. That's why we need another five, five years, including next year. Uh, we're just getting started on trying to address some of these things uh, because for many, many decades, People have just talked about, well, yeah, we know we need to do something, but the will uh, and the commitment has never been there. And so that's the one Augusta that I'm talking about, an Augusta that begins working for all of our citizens, a place where people want to live, learn, work, and raise a family, a city of opportunity. And so that's step one of how we begin addressing those things. You start with government, and then you expand out because we have control over those efforts. And then the private sector, we begin challenging the private sector uh, to make sure that they provide meaningful wages. 
it's uh, very good. Uh, statistically, it's been proven that adequate transportation can help curb poverty rates. What's Augusta doing to improve transportation? It's been a conversation for, I mean, for many years. It has been a conversation, and in previous administrations, there was not a commitment to trans public transportation. Uh, most people view public transportation as, you know, poor people's transportation. Hmm. That's for the poor folk. And progressive cities have public transportation. It doesn't matter whether it's Atlanta, which certainly is not our, you know, equal. Uh, we're not equal to Atlanta, but you look at uh, the CAT system, uh, Savannah Chatham, rapid transit. Uh, it's available. Uh, it's very robust. And so with this administration and the commissioners that we have, we've made a commitment to public transportation. Um, in 2015, we brought a new director on board, Patrick Stevens. He is fantastic. I love this guy. He's doing some amazing things in terms of working with limited resources. He's taken advantage of the federal grants that have already been on the books, but they were never doing anything with. And so we've already purchased some new buses, which is important. Uh, you need a rebrand and a good look. And so we're doing that now, the color scheme. You know, it's attractive. Uh, so we're doing that. The second thing we're doing is we've gone and done a complete study of our route lines, how inefficient they historically have been. Right. No one wants to ride a bus where I got to wait an hour and 30 minutes before the next one comes. Our goal is to get down to 58 minutes and then go from 58 minutes to 45 minutes between the next bus. To augment that, what we're doing is we're going to roll out a mobile app. They're already testing that now. Mm -hmm. That mobile app will then provide you with, on your smart device, an opportunity to say, I am standing here at this corner between Augusta Avenue and XX Street. The next bus will show up here at this time. That is extremely important to us. Um, we want to make sure that our public transit is accessible, it's efficient, and it gets people to where they need to be. So again, you have efficient lines, you have an app that you can use to determine when the next bus will come, and then you have an opportunity to go beyond that to where now we're gonna move our bus transit facility from downtown to the Regency Mall area. <laughs> These are all strategic investments. Absolutely. We wanna go first. Public sector comes behind and says, hey, you guys have led, you know, we got an $18 million project that we're gonna build right at the old theater that was right there behind Regency Mall. Now it's in the geographic center of the city. We can be more efficient in terms of where we send our buses at. That is extremely important to me as a mayor. It's important to, I believe, many of our commissioners, and we're going to continue to make investments in that area. That's good, and I, I believe for the most part the transportation conversation has really been underreported. I've seen some of the strides, the strides that you all have been making, and likewise, you know, with the uh, director there, so it's very commendable. We've talked so much about governmental responsibility, but if you could also talk about the importance of civic engagement and, you know, the uh, responsibility of the community at large in terms of solving some of these problems. Mm -hmm. Before I do that, I want to go back to the conversation about transportation. Sure. This was an idea. I was at a mayor's leadership forum on yesterday uh, in Atlanta uh, on smart cities. Uh, I'm a champion for smart cities. We're doing some things in Augusta that will put us in that realm of being a smart city. And uh, my good friend, Teresa Thomason, mayor of Columbus, we were talking about transportation and public transit. And uh, she talked about how we need to look for opportunities to partner with organizations like Lyft and Uber mm -hmm. to augment what our bus services can't do. That if there is a uh, mutual uh, aid agreement or MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, that <clears throat> we could have a relationship with those carriers who run 
effectively at all times of the night where the bus may not run today uh, at those later hours. And so that's something that I'm going to be having a conversation with Pat about. Okay. That then begins to expand our reach into the broader community where I hear a lot of folks say, Mayor, you know, I work at MCG, and by the time I get off, the bus is done. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if we had a relationship with a Lyft and Uber, we could send them. Okay, they pick up the phone, they have this card, and the, the Uber driver says, I'm coming to get your Lyft, whoever it is, doesn't matter who it is, and say, all right, I'm coming to pick you up. I won't get you home. That's a winning way for a city like ours until we get more buses on the road, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of civic engagement, we need our citizens to be able to communicate with us in real time. We do have a couple of apps that are online. Uh, we've got the GIS app. We've got the 311 app that allows our citizens to communicate issues that are immediately in their area uh, where they live at. They can do that today. Uh, at my most recent U.S. Conference of Mayors event, there's an app called CityBot. The developers of that have reached out to me on multiple occasions here recently. Uh, it is a tool for the express purpose of enhancing citizens' engagement. Um, I have not gone forward with that yet, but then there's another app that uh, was there at the U.S. Conference of Mayors event. It is a crime app, and it was a developer out of Israel, uh, which is really like Tech Nation uh, right now, and uh, they've been reaching out to us as well where we can help uh, mitigate some of the issues as it relates to crime having this app available to our citizens where they're able to self-report they're able to do a variety of other things that's where I want the city of Augusta to be talk about again the smart cities initiative it's doing things like that we live in a very connected world and that world can't be a world of where we're still operating on eight-track tapes uh, we got to be able to put a smart device in our hands whether it's Spotify Pandora or milk it doesn't matter but we got to be able to communicate in a way that's real time and I think that's where Augusta's greatest opportunities going forward will be. Always glad to uh, speak with the mayor of Augusta. I don't know if you guys caught the, uh, the the little kick in there. He he said five years so and I, and I just want to uh, add to that by saying look the mayor doesn't just need your help you know next year in terms of re-election. The mayor needs your help right now. Uh, that help can be in the form of volunteering. That help can be in uh, just in terms of you know just Lending a good word, saying, hey, we believe in uh, what the mayor's trying to do. We're seeing the city grow, and, you know, I'm certainly here making a difference. I'm a proponent of and here to encourage a lot of, you know, what, what I'm seeing here, especially with the James Brown Arena. I just think that that's the, the beginning of uh, a paradigm shift for South Augusta and, and for Augusta in general. So I want to commend you for that. Thank you so much, Ken, and I want to thank you for continuing to not only make a difference. I always commend you for uh, your writing, your commentary in UPW. Uh, those those articles are spot on. They really are revealing in terms of where we are, not just in America, but it really becomes a backdrop for who we are as Augustans. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Did you enjoy that episode of Making a Difference? If you did, then I want you to follow and keep up with the Making a Difference movement on Twitter, on Facebook, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. If you're looking us up on iTunes, search for Making M-A-K-I-N, a difference. SoundCloud, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. On Twitter, the handle is difference making, M-A-K-I-N. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com backslash making a difference show, S-H-O-W. Thank you guys so much for supporting the movement. 
Love you guys. Peace and God bless.